Marsh Nadu is the founder of Raising Kellen, a nonprofit that provides a digital platform to motivate, inspire, and educate parents raising children with developmental delays or disabilities. She hosts a podcast by the same name, Raising Kellen, and she wrote a book called What I Wish I Knew Back Then. She's a board member of Healing Horses Incorporated, a PATH certified therapeutic horse riding center in Dyersburg, Tennessee, and a member of the American Physical Therapy Association and the American Business Women's Association. Today, she and I have a conversation about what it's like being a podcaster, what led her to being a podcaster. She's originally from South Africa. She came, she moved back to the States to help her son, Kellen. She shares what her vision of the world, what she'd love to see in the world. And I, it was just a really genuine and fun conversation. We didn't have a, an agenda per se. I've been listening to her podcast for a while. She's got close to 80 episodes, maybe more. And I've been binging on them. She finds some really incredible guests. Yeah, a, a, I, I will admit some of the topics tend to be focused on Tennessee, but a lot of what she talks about could be taken the concept that's being applied in Tennessee can be taken and applied anywhere in the country. So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to the podcast so you, you catch future episodes. And as I always ask, if you have a guest that you think you, you would love to hear, make an introduction. Eric, especially it's navigator.us. I'm, I'm always open to talking to somebody to see if they'd be a good fit or if they'd be interested. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. As I said in the intro today, I have an author, a physical therapist, and a fellow podcast host. I'm really excited to be interviewing Marsh, and she's going to talk about what led to her starting her podcast, Raising Kellen, her book, What I Wish I Knew Back Then. And I'm going to have a link to both of these in the show notes. So you guys, and I really encourage you to check her out. She's got fantastic guests. I've, I've reached out to a couple of guests that she's had, you know, as I want to do when I meet other podcasters. But Marsh, thank you for joining me. Eric, I am so excited to be on your podcast with you. Let's do this. <laughs> so let's let's start with, with how did you get here? How did you get to being a podcast? You're a physical therapist. That isn't necessarily what I would, you know, automatically assume somebody to become a podcast host and author from, right? How did all this come about? All right. Thank you, Eric. So now I have my 10-year-old son. His name is Kellen. And and honestly, he's been the motivator for every single thing that has has inspired and, and led me on since the day he was born. And so Kellen is now 10. He was actually born in South Africa. That's where I'm originally from. I had worked here previously as a travel physical therapist, spent 10 years in the States. I met my husband, Prakash, went back to South Africa. That's where we set up house. I mean, you know, we with, with Kellen's birth and his diagnosis that followed of cerebral palsy, I instinctively knew I needed to return back to the States. There was a specific surgery that I had been researching for the selective dorsal rhizotomy that was showing promise to help with spasticity management. And uh, so that was the surgery we pursued. And St. Louis Children's Hospital, where the surgery is performed at by, by Dr. T.S. Parks, is just three hours away from Dyersburg. 
where I'm currently living right now. And now, as far as the actual blog and the podcast, that started after a trip back to South Africa. We were visiting with parents, and I was asked to do a talk at a local school about my experience as a physical therapist and mom to Kellen. The audience was healthcare professionals and the feedback I got from them, Eric, was, look, you need to put this information in some format that parents can access because it's it's just good content. And these these healthcare professionals were physical therapists and they were, you know, I just, I can't explain enough to a parent how important the exercises or movement patterns are in the early intervention program because I'm not in it. I don't understand what a parent is going through. I don't understand what their day is like, but in your case, you are you are kind of you've got the you've got the skills, but you also have the experience, and I think it it might just come better from you. So I got back home to the states. We started the blog with the help of some dear friends that are that are tech savvy, and the podcast started off. I didn't even know what podcasting was really, Eric. So what happened with that was that I was out with Kellen in the grocery store. He was on his walker. And the the guy behind the cashier said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yes, go ahead. And he's like, does your son have cerebral palsy? And I said, yes, he does. I'm always open. I mean, if somebody's going to ask me what's going on, I'm just going to be, hey, Helen has cerebral palsy. So the young man says, ma'am, I have cerebral palsy as well. God, Eric, I mean, you know, there was so. There were so many questions in my brain at that point. I mean, like, what is Helen going to do? Like, through school, what's going, you know, I mean, you can't help it. Those are all expectations and all feelings you have as a parent. As a parent. And I just, I don't know, maybe I quieted those questions. I mean, they were there, but I kind of, you know, I was dealing with the things that needed to be dealt with at the, that time, just taking one step at a time and, but seeing that young man that day just kind of lit a fire underneath me. I mean, the blog was going on, but I'm like, I don't know what podcast are, but I really wanted to start one. This young man had introduced the concept to me. He actually is the first guest. His name is Drake Box. So that's how the, the podcast got started. And Eric, I know this is a super long talk or super, a super long rant, but that young man initially thought he wanted to be a a physical therapist or a PTA. But I come to the realization that that might not be the profession for him with regards to the long term, especially as his body ages and that transition happens. So he had actually changed his major and gone on to communications. He's actually, he's got to fulfill his internship before he graduates this fall and he's actually come back to intern on the podcast so when I say it's like being full circle it's been full circle I've, I've we've met I mean Eric I mean we've met awesome people that the navigating the journey of raising a child with a disability but there is so much of goodwill so much of willingness to share experiences 
that's led to relationships that have built as as a result of people I've met through like interviewing and like yourself and, and and part of those experiences that other parents have shared to me in addition to my experience we actually pull some of that together and, and that's what the book what I wish I knew back then is all about so it's a combination of my story and three other moms that I met through the blog wow yeah wow so that was probably more than you wanted to know, but I, I just kind of want to give you give you a sense of how we had come to the, you know, how we had come to come to it. So no, I appreciate it, Marsha. I think I think sometimes when you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to somebody who's started a business, you can almost feel like, well, they must have had all these resources available to them, or they must have had somebody showing them what to do. And the reality is, like you and I were talking before we hit record, we we, we kind of almost fell into it, right? I mean, it wasn't like, it certainly wasn't what I planned to do when I retired from the Navy. And, and you know, you were a physical therapist. I mean, that was your, and you own, you own a company, you, you own a physical therapy practice that's called just... teletherapy, right? I mean, that's, right. and that, and you're licensed, you still practice in Tennessee, I still practice in Tennessee, and we, we did mention this, we did talk about this previously, Eric, the reason why that started was because I was never able to hold down the expectations of what needed to be done to hold a 40-hour work week. It was just not possible with, especially earlier on with appointments and therapies as such, and I, I, I may have the skill set of being a therapist, but I was never trained as a pediatric therapist, so to speak. And, and honestly, I chose not to do Kenan's therapy because I wanted to be mom, you know what I mean? So, yep. and I think that's crucial in those first five years, a child needs their parent to be a parent, not, 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 the healthcare provider. So yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's the long and short of it. I needed the flexibility of earning some money. And that's how Teddy Therapy came about. It's providing hybrid services. So either in person or through a uh, virtual care. Now I'm licensed in the state of Tennessee, hence I can only provide services to persons in Tennessee. So that's how our healthcare or state licenses haven't really caught up in all honesty as to how professionals can practice across state lines. And that's a whole different story, but <laughs> things, they, things are evolving with that. I know our association, the American Physical Therapy Association has come up with a PT compact, okay. which will allow me to go ahead and seek a license in another state and therefore do the virtual care that way. And I'm I'm not sure if the AMA is moving in that direction or not, but we need to. Technology is giving us another way to deliver healthcare, whether it's across state lines or whether it's urban versus rural, our service delivery methods are changing. So yeah, yeah that's and, how that- you see you see reciprocity in other industries, Marsh. You'll see it with financial services. You you aren't automatically granted the license if you're light, but you can pay for the license and you might have to take continuing education for that particular state right. or whatever. And even legal, you can get your 
you can get a law license in other states. I don't know. Again, I don't know how complicated it is. I don't think you have to pass another bar exam. So I hope medical goes that way where, because I don't understand, I guess my lack of understanding would be what is so different from, you know, Tennessee and Idaho, for example, that if you're, if you're helping somebody with physical therapy, maybe right. not natural medicine or whatever, but if you're working with a, a resistance band or something, that resistance band doesn't change across state lines. And that speaks to that point exactly. And, you know, just, and this is strictly my opinion, Eric, the, the only issue comes up with payer sources and understanding how the pay, payer sources work. And the other thing might come up with the ethics and the jurisprudence, the, the laws surrounding the practice. Like Tennessee PTs can do dry needling, but that might not be the case in state X, you know? So that could only be the technicality of what states allow, what techniques to be practiced and what techniques are covered by insurance. But when it comes to federal payers like Medicare, yes, they. I, I don't see why that is an issue. And maybe, hopefully, we'll see that start to change again as yeah. people as people petition and speak up and, and things like and all that to say, if if you're a parent and your child is covered by Medicare, Medicaid, you know, talk to the you know, talk to your law, your legislator, because Medicaid is a state run program. So that's the time where you can petition your your legislators to say we want this to change. So you you wrote the book about with three other moms, and you were telling me it's it's really designed for when the parent is leaving the physician's office. So that would, if I heard if I heard you correctly, that means many of us when we when we first hear our child has a diagnosis, be it autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, maybe some rare genetic disorder, it's it's almost like a punch in the stomach, right, Marsh? I mean, it can be very overwhelming, and then and then well-meaning doctors might lead with all the things your child's never going to be able to do. I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but <laughs> I, you know, and I, and I think that's well said. And I think by far that, I mean, I know that was my experience, Eric. I'm, I'm not, you know, and with the parents that I've taught you, that's been an experience of quite a few of us. So that, and that was exactly the intention of the book. It's a small, it's just like a hundred pages, but it, it's just essentially letting a parent know this is just the beginning and this is your child. It is a different, it is a different road. You know, we have the, it's kind of that association of as we prepare for the birth of our child in order for that bonding to happen, we, we have all these, these visions in place. And, and so with the birth of our child and perhaps maybe six months or, you know, down the road, when that vision doesn't align with the actual presentation, that is where the whole reframing has to happen. So, yes, there is a period of that denial, grief, that a bargaining acceptance, you know, there, there, is, there are those five stages we're going through, but... Circling back to the, the question, I think the book speaks to why it's important for us to reframe what is disability and what does it mean for our kids' future. So that that's essentially what 
the book is based on Eric. I, I like that, Marsha. I think I would love to see doctors' offices have it in the lobby and give it to parents with the diagnosis. You know, because unless the doctor has a child with a disability, they really I don't I have to be careful how I say this, but I don't think they really understand what the parents going through. I I don't care if you've if you've delivered the diagnosis to a thousand parents unless you've lived it. I don't know that you're ever going to know what that parent is experiencing, and every parent's going to experience it a little differently. And and I get all that, but by and large, there's there's going to be for most of us a sense of loss almost. Yes. And I would love to see this book get into the into the hands of the physicians. But is it is it available on Amazon or your website or where can people get it? It's available on Amazon. I had, I just, you know, I was honestly trying to go the, this is self-published. So we talked earlier about how we came to do things, Eric. And I think it's with that innovation and that mindset to kind of dig and find answers that this book was actually, and I mean, I know the the listeners can't see it, but I'm just holding up to you. So this was created on Kindle Create. So, and it's self-published on Amazon and it's, it's just a good resource. So if you are a listener or if you are a provider that's listening and you know, you're not quite sure how to frame the diagnosis, I, I do think it's a good resource to point out to, to parents because just keep this in mind. You are, you, you need to arm that parent with the right mindset because this is a marathon it's not something that's going to end the next month or next year I mean this is going to possibly be a a lifelong journey and if that's the case send them ready in for battle with the right mindset so to speak I mean don't just, your kid's never going to do this, this, and that. I mean, how is that empowering your parent? You know, I just, I, I think we just need to really challenge ourselves and think about how, how do we frame disability? How do we deliver the message? What are we telling a parent? How do we feed them, air quotes, feed them so that they can perhaps do what needs to be done. And I, I do with a caveat that it's not delivering false hope, not by any means. It's just preparing them for the longevity and the reality of the journey. Yeah. No, I, I like that, Marcia. And the other things I'd like listeners to take away from this is you've never published a book before, right? This was your first book. I think your only book. So if a listener out there has a story they want to tell, why not publish it? Why not? You know, instead of, and this is my opinion, but instead of worrying about, am I going to be a bestseller? Am I going to get in front of a million people? You may not be the next Stephen King or Dean Koontz or, or whatever, pick your genre, right? Nora Roberts. I mean, you may not be that, but if you can impact two or three parents and have a positive impact on their life all the way across the country, don't you owe it to them? I mean, especially if you have this this message that you want to share. And I know there's parents out there that are listening that have a message they want to share, but maybe feel like they can't. How how difficult did you feel for you? How difficult was it not being from the United States? Did you find it difficult 
getting on Amazon publishing and all that? I, I do think it is. And I think it's the actual software that was difficult. I tried a, a friend of mine is an illustrator. So okay. I tried to, there was some prints that she had done that was just so beautiful and so meaningful that I really wanted to put that in there somehow. <laughs> but that in itself changes the formatting. So when you go to insert anything, it changes the format to where you have to start all the way back from the beginning to make sure that your sentences, are, it, it's hard to explain, but I mean, you just, it's like that, that, that's the challenge right there. So I would, but I, I would, and I would say this, Eric, if there's a parent that wants to get a message out, there, there are quite a few podcasts now in our space. I would definitely reach out to the podcast host. The second thing that I would would do is as well is, you know, we invariably find each other, whether it's at the therapist office, the doctor's office, or, you know, we find each other. So just, just network to find your people, so to speak. And I think that, just being able to share that resources of either providers that you found that have helped you tremendously, or, I mean, I would obviously check with your healthcare professional first, but like in our case, right, there was a Amtra Ambox bicycle that Kellen had outgrown. And there was a child with a similar diagnosis in our, in our neighborhood. And so that, bike was reconstructed to support him therapeutically. So, I mean, things like that. I mean, this equipment is expensive. If there's yeah. any way possible that parents can think about that logistic of, with the caveat that, you know, you check with your healthcare professional first, but just, you know, sourcing things. We waited six months to get Kellen's wheelchair, right? So, Six in that six month period, he had already grown tremendously. So I'm, it takes a long time to get equipment sometimes. So just, you know, especially when they're younger. So just kind of networking with each other, talking about resources that are out there, talking about equipment that could possibly help each other, or I don't know, just forming friendships and bonds that would also help support your kids' development. Like, Kellen is an only child. However, we found really good support systems with other parents that have neurotypical and then neurodiverse kids. So, yeah, so that's kind of been how we like, kind of worked it. We've, we've networked with other parents, and, and that has been just a really good resource for us. I, I I can see that. I can definitely see how getting information, what's working, what's not working from other parents. And for parents to have children using adaptive technology, assistive technology, every state has a technology department or directorate or whatever they call it in, in their state. But every state has one where you can look to see if you can get technology or devices. And there's often a lot of nonprofits around the country that are running equipment closets. So if you have you know, strollers or gate, you know, things to help with the gate or feeding tables, things like that, you can donate them there. And then to your point, Marsh, about checking with your healthcare provider, yeah, you, you know, make sure you get the right thing, but 
even if you're just borrowing it for a couple months while while you wait for your wheelchair is a great example because it takes especially you need a power chair how long it can take and then making sure you know about the changes in your state like a lot of in colorado i think now you're allowed to make repair your own wheelchair which is a big deal because power we you know before power users would be waiting months before it could before they could get something fixed and you were mentioning around the networking you're sharing with me before we hit record that you're going to do something in your area of tennessee of bringing parents together right so I live in a rural community. It's the, the town of Diesburg right here in Northwest Tennessee. And so what we planning to do, and this is the first time we're doing this, Eric, on the 30, 26th of August, we are getting or bringing parents together at, at, at Fern Lake and holding a two to three hour conference where we would, would have a speaker, have a lunch together. This is open to parents, whether you are a couple or you're a single mom, if you want to bring a friend, you know, you know, just, just come and join us. And I'm hoping to bring someone from state level, someone that can talk about the Katie Beckett waiver, because that's something that's essentially only come up in the last two years. But just for me, parents of some of the resources that are out there. And another unique program that we have on New to Tennessee is called MAPS. And that is a way for a young adult to find employment and work towards independent living post-secondary education. So, I mean, hopefully just getting someone from those agencies to come and let us know, hey, these are the resources available. And, you know, to kind of have it in a a relaxed restorative environment that's like on the lake <laughs> that's just really energizing as well just just a, just a day for parents to yeah. to kind of get be empowered and educated and i i love that i've talked a lot about katie beckett in general on my youtube channel and, and things and you know katie beckett for those listeners that aren't familiar it's not in every state but it it's a waiver for children from birth to 18 typically and then the waiver doesn't take into consideration a parent's asset or income it just does your child have a disability okay well and the other thing to, if it's a true katie beckett waiver you're not allowed to have a waiting list so as soon as you apply for the as soon as you apply you're supposed to get services if you're if you're approved not know that eric see that yeah. thank you thank you for yeah they're also called the tefra waiver I don't remember what tefra stands for but it's t-e-f-r-a so some states will have a Tefra waiver or Katie Beckett, but it, it, they're great. And Tennessee is the only state in the country that works off of, instead of having constant funding, You Tennessee last year or two years ago put into place block grants. So where they, they tell the federal government, this is how much money we need. I'm against it because I think, it, I think there's a chance you guys could run out of money, but I've been proven wrong so far. So you know, it looks like the, the legislators are doing a good job, but you're in a really good state because block grant aside, you're also very, your your leadership, your state leadership is very into technology and very, yes. very forward leaning with technology, which can be a game changer for so many families. I, you know, I think you're very lucky to be in Tennessee. You know, I, I can't say enough and I, Tennessee has been so good to us. And, you know, I, and obviously we work really hard as well here in Tennessee. And I, I just think that that speaks to the leadership 
at DIDD that speaks to the, and I have to give a shout out here to Commissioner Brad Turner. He is so progressive as far as how he is putting in the system changes to transform service delivery here in Tennessee for persons with disabilities or intellectual delay and developmental delay. And I mean, all these programs we talked about, Eric, the Katie Beckett, MAPS, SMART, I mean, these are all programs that are here to, to support kids, young adults and adults. Yeah. And listeners that don't live in Tennessee, your state will have at least one Medicaid waiver. Every state has at least one Medicaid waiver. Some states do better than others in terms of waiting lists and everything else. I've been very vocal about my frustration with tenant, with Texas and Florida. I, 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 they are not doing it right, in my opinion. But, you know, every state has one. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I want what Marsh has, or you don't necessarily have to move to Tennessee, your state could have something you know, similar. It, it just you just need to to look into it and see what you can find. And Marsh, on your website, you offer a lot of resources, right? So, because your podcast is all about sharing resources, so how can you help people that you know? How can we get people to your website? What would they be looking for? You know, I want them to listen to your podcast, but I mean, I feel like your website could be a great resource too. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what's on your website? So the website is raisingkillen.org and we received a grant maybe last year sometime to help us upgrade the website. I was really wanting to move towards digital accessibility. Now they they we still have a few bugs in there like I know it's it doesn't necessarily do good for those that are using screen readers so we're still working on it but that that is what we are, that is our digital accessibility statement is that we really do want to have a accessible website. But the way the website is set up, Eric, is, is pretty cool. There's our logo is a picture of a mountain and on that mountain are kind of pin drops. And it starts off with the diagnosis and under the diagnosis might be podcasts that are tagged to that particular topic. So the, the pin drops we have are diagnosis, early intervention, school going age, road to independence, those adults and then ongoing support. So that's how we basically categorizing the podcast. So just a quick example, when let's just pick road to independence, okay? So here we are, we're talking more about like transitional services, inclusive fitness, inclusive functional and fitness training. We're looking at types of housing accommodation that might be available. For example, I talked to Pete Hickson, who in Woodstock, Georgia, is setting up a program called Beyond Communities. Um, in Tennessee, there's Dr. Jerry Penitzel, and he's setting up a community called Home Life Community, which is going to be a kids forever home or a young adult's forever home. And by that, I mean, there's a wide breadth and depth to disability. We have people that are across the spectrum and part of that spectrum will include individuals that need ongoing support. 
through the lifespan. So the, the model that Dr. Jerry Knitzel is thinking about is will serve the need of, of these adults. So they would be in the individual living, a, not re, and, and this is not made to be residential looking. It's beautiful cabins that is designed for, besides universal design, it's designed with aesthetics in mind, which I think is something that we need to, to give consideration for and will allow our young adults with disabilities to functionally age in place. We all need functional aging in place, but it, it caters to that as well. So yeah, that's just kind of some of the resources out there, Eric. And honestly, as, as Kellen is growing, there are going to be things that I'm interested in finding out more about. And, and so whatever we research find uh, and find out about, if there's any people of interest that we like to talk to, all that gets dropped into the website. It's housed at the website. The blog also has links to the, the podcast itself. So if you get to raisingkillen.org, I mean, you're going to find everything more or less condensed at kind of one location. And I mean, I know we, we live in Tennessee and quite a few of the resources might be directed to Tennesseans. However, there's quite a bit on there that are kind of national resources like ARC is a national resource. Try my best triathlons happen statewide. So it might be Tennessee concentrated because that's where we based it, but there are national resources in there as well. Yeah, and, and Marsh, even the ones that are Tennessee-focused, it gives parents that live in a different state something to look for or something to create if it's not in their state, right? You know, maybe they never thought it was a possibility, and then they listen to an episode, and they're like, oh, I know somebody that's doing that, or I know somebody that could do that, and we can partner up, and, you know, not to add more stuff for parents to do, but very often the only way change happens is because we, as parents, make it happen. That is so true. I mean, just the whole mindset of how we frame disability with regards to the historical stigma that has been attached to what having a disability means. I think, and I think honestly, parents are a huge part of that drive and momentum forward to change what it means to have a disability, to raise the expectations so that our kids can be met where they're at. And we are helping them support them in their development and just not, you know what I mean? Just, just not accepting the status quo of, it's always been done that way. So that's why we need to do it that way. And, and we're starting to see, I think, I think we're starting to see the tide change where equal opportunity for people of color and minorities, yes. non-English speakers. I think we're finally starting to see things becoming a little more inclusive in that world too. You know, I mean, for the longest time, minorities were and minorities and women were being diagnosed much later. But I think minorities were being diagnosed three to five years later than than Caucasians. That's not cool. That's you know, there's there's no the only reason I can think that's happening is lack of access to healthcare, or you know, because if they're seeing the same physician, I don't think one physician a physician is going to say you've you've got a diagnosis you don't. I think it's probably more of a an accessibility to healthcare issue, but 
that's probably a, a discussion for another day. It's just, again, parents need to, to pull each other up, right? So sometimes we're insulated because we, we know the people that are in our community. But, you know, go, if you're on a, a Facebook group or if you're on another a mom's group or, or whatever, and you're meeting people outside of your community, that's the opportunity where you can be a champion and take that person under your wing and say, hey, I've done this already. Let me tell you keywords, tricky phrases or, oh, yeah, I was told that, too, but this is the way I got around it or, you know, things like that. You know what I mean, Marsh? I absolutely do know what you mean, Eric. I mean, you're right. And I think part of that isolation, part of the, the fear and the anxiety and that that leads into the, the isolation. I mean, yes, it is hard, but it honestly doesn't do anyone good when we isolated, right? I mean, we social beings, we, we, we have to find each other out because there is someone out there that may have had an similar experience that can guide or mentor you or, you know, just even just be a, just be a person to listen to you, not necessarily give advice, but just listen, even just that in itself sometimes is beneficial. Yeah, I, I agree with Marsh. Where I get concerned, you, you have to cultivate who you're around. It's really easy to fall into a negativity pit you know, and, and just keep getting that echo chamber of how horrible everything is. And so I feel that you have to be very careful about who you surround yourself with. Yes, we're social beings, but you put the wrong people in your circle, you're not doing yourself any favors. You know, I like to be, I like to surround myself with people. They're going to help me grow and, and make me stretch. You know, that's, that's me personally. I really can't stand being around negative people or, or doom and gloom. And I, I came from that from, when I was younger, I was very, you know, I could find a $5 bill on the ground and find something wrong with it. Right. So I've, I've been that negative person. I just, I, I found how much better I'm, I feel and how much more I'm served by being around positive people. So that was my little rant, but. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's, that's a point well taken, Eric. I really, you know, I, I, I think that's a point very well taken. Yes, you, you do have to, to be careful with that as well. Yes, absolutely. So we, we've had a really broad, wide ranging conversation. Thank you for, for humoring me. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Is there anything you want to make sure you highlight about what Raising Kellen is doing and what you're doing? Honestly, I know for me as a mom, even though I, I might have had my technical background as a physical therapist, it wasn't the healthcare that I was interested in. What I wanted to know with his diagnosis was what was life going to be for my kid? So what I needed to see was some kind of role model or representation or have some kind of idea because not everyone growing up has the opportunity or has the fortune to meet a person with a disability. So, you know, I just think, just honestly, Eric, I would say just keep that positive mindset, find a support network of people that are, are positive and might share your experience so that you can learn and grow from them, especially when your kids are younger. You know, just this is not the, that's the way I end off the book. This is not the end. It's just the beginning. It's so 
just just try it and keep that mindset. And and the last thing I would ask you to do for me, Marsh, would can you sign off this podcast the way you do oh. all of your podcasts? <laughs> and always remember, guys, get to the top of your mountain. This is Marsh Schneider signing off. Thank you for listening to the ABCs of Disability Planning podcast. I hope you were able to take at least one nugget away from that conversation I had with Marsh. And I, I really would ask you to consider if you enjoyed what she had to say, if you want to learn more about her, check out her website, raisingkellen.org. There's going to be a link in the show notes. Subscribe to our podcast. And if you're newer in the journey, if you've just gotten a child who's been diagnosed, pick up her book. I'll have a link to that in my show notes as well. If you have questions about your own journey and you're looking for some way to help you out, I'm available for 30-minute consults. I offer a pick my brain for professionals and people and families, be it an individual with disability or a family member or a parent. Those 30-minute pick my brain sessions are, are really an opportunity for you to ask questions that you want answered when it, as they relate to disability planning. I cannot give, and I will not give legal advice, and I'm not going to give investment advice. I'm not a financial planner. I can help you figure out how much life insurance you need and then make an introduction to an insurance agent or an insurance broker who can help you fill that need, but I'm not going to be able to, and I won't be helping you figure out how much you need to retire or anything like that. I, I will work with you and your financial advisor to figure out how that ties, how providing for your child with a disability ties in, especially if you're thinking about things like child and care benefit or disabled adult child benefit. Again, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please consider hitting the subscribe button. And if you have a comment or if you think I could have done something different or you liked what I what I did or you, you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a comment. Thank you.